you. Each Friday, I get to start off the show by speaking to our, and I say our collectively, as all the listeners um, know who I'm introducing, our friends at 4SA, that's the Freedom of Religion South Africa, which is a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote the constitutional, or should I even say your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. For the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking to Daniela Ellebeck. This morning, we get to speak to Michael Swain, who is the executive director of 4SA. He studied law. I mean, is there anything Michael hasn't done? He, he studied law abroad. He's been successful in business. He was a co-founder of the His People Every Nation Church movement in South Africa. Um, and he lives on top of all of that in the fairest Cape. Michael, good morning. It's uh, good to be with you today. Good morning, Mark. And always great to be with your listeners. Thanks for having me on the show again. Hey, listen, yeah, is it raining in Cape Town yet? Not yet, but it's coming. Oh, man. So. We, we, we need the rain up here in Gauteng, Michael. I, I, I have hay fever, and the jacaranda trees are starting to bloom. I've seen a little bit of um, purple as I've been driving down the roads, and I just need the rain to settle things so that I don't have these manic attacks, and uh, it affects, like, everything. So please send the rain this okay. way, brother. I'll do my best. I'll have a, I'll have a word with the good <coughs> Well, look, you're not our, our resident meteorologist. Um, you are here to talk about the rolling discussion between the church and the state. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the hate speech bill. I, I know that there are all kinds of concerns. I've been watching Facebook um, Facebook posts. I've been watching videos um, from yourself and Daniela. Uh, I've been kind of reading the lay of the land. There, there's some major concerns. Maybe you can give us a bit of background on the bill. Uh, tell us why is this a concern, and not just to Mark Penrith, but to every listener who's engaging with your and my conversation this morning. The greatest concern, Mark, is that for the first time since the apartheid era, uh, we are going to have a act of parliament, if this thing goes through to its conclusion, that will literally criminalize what you might say or express. And the problem with that, of course, is that it's in even in and of itself, some law which will send you to jail for literally three years on a first offense, five years for a second offense, for something that you might say or express, that already has a very chilling impact on our freedom of speech. I don't, even I don't if, look good in orange, Michael. Um, and so <laughs> I'm already concerned. I'm like majorly concerned. So, so, so we, we've been fighting this right from the very beginning. And we were particularly concerned, first of all, why this was coming around at all. Now, it should be mentioned that the reason why they're pushing it hard suddenly is because of racism, uh, racist speech. They want to criminalize racist speech. It's interesting, though, that when we went to Parliament and the comments were presented, or the, the summary of the comments were presented, which were the result of last year's public participation by the Department of Justice, it was exposed that they had omitted not only 4SA's 43-page substantive legal written submission, which we also, by the way, presented in person to Parliament, but also the one from the International Race Relations Institute. And because it's on racism, you'd have thought, well, that would be the first one that they would include until you read what the uh, Race Relations Institute had said, which is that it really is not a concern for the vast majority of South Africans. I mean, I'm talking about you know, African South Africans. And so why this big push? It's very concerning. As I say, it criminalizes uh, hate speech 
and they have marginalized or ignored, as it turned out. Um, in the summary, the Department of Justice did not present those findings to Parliament. And of course, that was a big issue. We, that was exposed, that was revealed. And the good news is that uh, the department was then uh, asked by the committee to revert and to make sure that they included not only those submissions, but the other uh, submissions that they did not take into account were the over 100,000 submissions made by individual members of the public, uh, also objecting not only to the bill, but particularly to its lack of protection for legitimate religious expression. So so I'm, I'm, I'm irritated, Michael, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I filled in a, um, a, 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 a submission. My mother filled in a submission. Are you telling us, you telling South Africa that they literally ignored the effort that we went to in order to um, make our voices heard in our country using a democratic process that, that surely exists for the good of the people that we've literally been ignored well I, I, absolutely I mean they, they said that it was some form of they blamed it on a communication uh, breakdown between the sort of secretariat and the committee and what have you but the fact of the matter was is that basically none of our comments and we I think probably made up the majority of comments yes were properly and duly considered. And of course, the problem then was that they also represented a new uh, draft of this bill, which contained no amendments, no changes yeah. that we had asked for, specifically, as I said, to protect freedom of expression from a bona fide religious uh, perspective. Well, in, so, in, in Christian love, Michael, I, I do want to lay down a warning to the politicians. You can pick a fight with, I don't know, name the country. But I would suggest you don't pick a fight with my mother. She never loses. She filled in a submission. It's in your best interests to listen to it. Michael, maybe just uh, on behalf of the listeners and uh, to remind us, uh, for those of us who have been tracking this conversation, but for those of us who are, are new to the conversation, could could you go about um, uh, really um, um, telling us what type of speech the bill defines as hate speech? This is, the um, again, a, a primary problem with this bill is because the definition of hate speech is overly broad and it, it includes, and I'm calling any emotional, psychological, physical, social, cultural or economic harm. Any is a very broad word. Any means any. Um, it doesn't have to be severe, egregious, vilifying, defamatory. I mean, not, none of that. Um, and, and then it goes on to say that severely undermines the human dignity of the individual group that is targeted against. And who are these groups? Well, in the Constitution, there are four protected categories of uh, speech that if you make hate speech, which is typically an advocacy to hatred and an incitement to do harm against those four groups, then you can get into trouble. This bill has 23 groups. And those groups also, by the way, include things like, uh, which are highly controversial, such as sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression, uh, sex characteristics, none of which, by the way, are defined in the bill. So it's overly broad. And even the, 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 the um, promotion and, or, and propagation of hatred, uh, it doesn't give any indication of what the context of that should be. Maybe it's, and, and I think things like the speaker profile, uh, whether it's directly linked to an actual action that takes place against the targeted group. It fails to define what it means. It doesn't include elements instead of detestation or vilification or malevolence. And the bottom line is this, that you might remember we had uh, a big 
um, focus on the Kulani case because that was amending the definition of hate speech in Papuda. Now, Papuda is the Promotion of Equality and the Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act. That's a civil action. If you are found to have been in breach of Papuda, otherwise known as the Equality Act, then the sanction there is a fine or uh, and obviously being told to make an apology. That's the typical sanction. The definition in this criminal act, the hate speech bill, is wider than the one in Papuda, which is a civil action. So it literally is easier for you to be sent to jail for up to three years for something you say than it is for you to be told to make an apology and pay a fine. Uh, this is completely topsy-turvy. Mm. Michael, I mean, the the concerns seem relatively self-evident. In terms of you as an organization, FOSA, we are the main spearhead of concern as it relates to religious freedom in South Africa? Well, obviously our big concern is that it can be weaponized. Um, and, and typically internationally, we've seen that happen. We've seen pastors arrested yes. for preaching. Yes. Uh, we've seen members of parliament in Finland, for example, uh, for tweeting a scripture That's uh, held up on a charge of, 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 of uh, literally prosecuted for hate speech, was found not guilty, but nevertheless. And the big concern we've had is that we've wanted right from the beginning an, a, a, a robust religious exemption clause so that anything that you say a bona fide statement on made upon the tenets of your faith or your convictions um of a religious organization or an individual whether the expression is in public or in private that should be robustly protected now the problem is this after the big protest the first time around uh, deputy minister john jeffrey uh, when the redraft came out included a religious exemption clause but mm. he then went on record to say that this would protect perhaps a pastor an imam or a rabbi making some statement in a religious gathering but if you then repeated that statement outside as a private individual maybe you put it on your social media site maybe you repeated it as part of a radio pulpit broadcast mm -hmm. then you would potentially fall foul of the hate speech act at that point and literally face arrest prosecution and uh, a, a lengthy jail sentence. So we are very concerned that the department did not take into account and reasonably accommodate the de democratically, broadly democratically expressed concerns of so many people of the faith communities to have their legitimate faith expression properly and fully protected. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely, Michael. Um, I mean, is this bill even necessary in South Africa? Again, I mean, that, that was a, our other major argument. You, you know, the, the purpose of the bill, which has been promoted through the media and why it's suddenly come back hot on the screen, is because of racist remarks. But number one, as I mentioned, the uh, International Institute of Race Relations said that this isn't even an issue for the vast majority of South Africa. I think I think over one percent said that it was an issue for them. Mm. Uh, but secondly, we have a common law crime of crimin injuria, which is the willful injury to somebody's dignity, and that can obviously happen through something that you say. And we've seen that these sanctions have been properly applied uh, when. You might recall the cases of Vicky Momberg and Penny Sparrow came on. I do they very well, actually. Very derogatory and, 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 and vilifying language to describe, you know, um, their fellow citizens. Yeah. They were duly tried and convicted of crimin injuria and given jail sentence. So we have this on the statute, uh, or rather in our common law. Mm -hmm. Why do we need a law? Why do we need a separate statute, very widely defined, very poorly protected for religious freedom, uh, th th this is 
something which is absolutely unnecessary and potentially, I say potentially, because often it is the law of unintended consequences, but potentially there is no benefit. Let me say this. This isn't a potential. There is zero benefit in having this law on the statute books for any member of the faith community who might want to express uh, a, a, a view and an opinion, because there's always going to be the chilling effect, whether you're found foul of it or not. Michael, you have made a compelling case. Nobody listening in this morning is thinking anything other than this is a problem, we need a better solution, this isn't going to be good for us as a country or for um, the faith community in South Africa in general uh, if it goes through. one question in in kind of two prongs like what happens from this point forward i I mean obviously you've got this piece of legislation it's on somebody's table somewhere Uh, what 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 happens how does this go forward And, and number two i mean we've we've rallied people to make their voice heard on this bill in the past and and folk were rallied uh, they they heard the cry they made their voices heard even though their voices were ignored um but but what's the next step uh, i mean are we to pray is there something else that we can do um even as we listen in and are stirred to action well well the good news is that your voices will not be ignored um and partly because of two things first of all we were there yes. and we were very quick to see that there yeah. had been these omissions uh, in inverted commas, and secondly, members of the Justice Portfolio Committee then took the department to task for actually not doing it and sent them away to make sure that they were included. So don't ever think that what you did has not been effective. It has been very effective. Thank God for it. Now, where is it now? Well, as I said, it's before Parliament, Parliament's Justice Portfolio Committee, and they're working on this bill. Uh, it went away, of course, to make sure that the comments were included. It's now going to come back, who knows, any day. We watch every single day to see when it will come back. Let's supposing that it gets passed by the National Assembly, then it will move on to the National Council of Provinces. And there almost certainly will be another round of comments. And again, we mustn't then just think, oh, well, I did it last time. I'm not going to bother this time. No, no, no. In the event that it goes through, if it does, we hope it doesn't, but if it does, then we must be ready again to really push hard uh, to make sure that this statute is at, uh, at least has the, the the venom taken out of the fang, so to speak, uh, even if it does go through. So we're going to keep our eye on it very closely. And certainly the other thing you can do, of course, is to support us for SA. You know, we are definitely the watchmen on the walls, I believe, for the religious freedom rights of, of all South Africans. And I, I would honestly say that, but for the fact that we were there, um, this thing could have gone in a very different direction. Well, maybe just to, again, point listeners to where they can find out more information on FOSA. It's on the website, foisa.org.za, along with the FOSA Facebook page, which is Freedom of Religion South Africa, and uh, lots of information, video, newsletters, all kinds of other stuff available at both those sites. And Michael, once again, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really do appreciate engaging with you. Thank you, Mark. All the best. Every Look forward blessing. to the next chat. Cheers.